Welcome to the Jeff and Alex podcast. I am Jeff Hillemeyer, and with my friend, Alex Gonzalez, we explore topics that help you be your best self. And we also get to chat with some great guests. So join us now on the Jeff and Alex podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jeff and Alex podcast. How you doing, Jeff Hillemeyer? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Alex? Good. I've noticed every time we have a podcast, I have to remember your last name. So, you know, it's good <laughs> practice for me. <laughs> it's not super easy to, to say sometimes. You, you uh, nailed it. Actually, I should tell you, it's so funny. The first episode we did, my wife listened to it and she said, wow, he really says your name right. Because so really? many people don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know what? It's funny. I I can't even connect what the mispronunciation of your name would be. Well, most of the time it's the spelling where it's it Jeff. Do people say Jeef? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Joffrey. Joffrey. Uh, yeah, no, it should have two L's, but it doesn't. Um, so, you know. Oh, so do, do people actually try to say Heilemeyer? I have heard that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Wow. That, that would, that would hurt. I would, that would actually, <laughs> hurt. well, good. I'm, I'm, you know, you're, you, you know, you're in terms of our audience of millions, as long as our spouses are happy. There you go. In good shape. So. <laughs> well, said. well, good. Well, well, here we are still, uh, you know, deep into October into what's going to be the, what the craziest and well, not craziest, but probably the most, um, bizarre Halloween's here next week. Yeah. And, um, and of course, uh, Jeff, I'm last time when we spoke last week, I was all excited. I was tired if you recall, because we just finished the Braves, you know, the Braves just lost game five. And I said, well, by the time this show drops or actually the last show dropped, we'll be in the world series. And, and as we, as we record this, we, uh, (laughs) are not in the world series. No. Um, United lost in another match in the, uh, you know, three minutes of extra time. And I don't even want to talk about how the Falcons lost yesterday. No, it's better for us to move on to bigger and better topics at this point. Exactly. Sad time in Atlanta sports. Although you mentioned Halloween, which is coming up. Um, I don't, did I, did I tell you um, my son, um, I encouraged him, but he, he created a Halloween quarantine website. You know, you mentioned, I don't know if we've said it on the show here. So why don't don't you give it a, give it a plug? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, basically the idea being, um, everyone's going to be trying to figure out what to do with Halloween. And, uh, you know, we were even doing that. And I, and I told my, my 15 year old, I was like, you know, cause I always wanted him to learn how to build websites. He's helped at 48 and 48 before. And so I was like, you know, it would be interesting if you created a site with, you know, 30, 45 days before Halloween and maybe people will go to it. And so we'll put the link in the show notes. I think it's quarantine-halloween.com, but it's like okay. 31 things you can do when you're in quarantine for, for Halloween. So well, I, I was excellent. proud of the little guy. Well, that's very needed right now. Cause it's uh, you know, I have, you, of course you have uh, much younger kids. So I know this is uh, um uh, pretty essential. I mean, Halloween is as big as it comes for 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 kids in, in mm-hmm. terms of, of holidays. But um, so I know this is this is painful as a parent, I'm sure, in terms of you know, um, especially in a Saturday. Of course, Halloween's on a Saturday this year. Everything that line lining up, and who knows what the weather will be like. But um, you know, when, with older kids, um, it's a little less. You know, obviously you have to worry about other things sometimes. But um, but yeah. So, anyways, well, well, I'll make sure everybody checks it out. Well, I, well, obviously, what's what's kind of cool with your son too is to me, um, it seems to me that he's very confusion tolerant. He's able. He he didn't settle for the obvious. So here's a question for you, Jeff Fillmire. Yes. Which I just said correctly. How comfortable are you being confused? 
Oh, how comfortable am I being confused? Wow. Um, I guess I'd, I'd need to define confused. Um, so let's sure narrow it down to in a business. Uh, let's put it even in, well, you know, it doesn't have to be business context, but do you uh, always, uh, I'm, I'm sure you always seek clarity, but do you always go for the obvious answer uh, when the problem arises itself? Or do you sometimes find yourself that you need to let something sit a little bit uh, to get to the right answer? Where, where, where do you think you are in that spectrum? I would say that's one of the biggest differences between the 44-year-old me and the 24-year-old me is that I, I have learned to give things time um, to settle, to sort, sort of understand. I used to be quick to pull the trigger, which can be a strength at times when you're building a, a startup. But um, I definitely, like, I've read about uh, a lot of Lincoln you know, and he was very deliberately let things sit for a long time, let them play out. And I worked with another leader um, at Engage who was very good about that. So I think I've gotten better about it. Um, I'm comfortable with uncertainty. Um, I don't know, confusion sort of in my mind is is uh, maybe a little different, but I'm very comfortable with the idea that um, it's okay that I don't know what the right answer is. And it's okay that I don't see it clearly at this moment. Um, so I, th- I think I'm, I think I'm a little confusion tolerant. Is that the word? You yeah. Use? Yeah. It's confusion tolerant. It's interesting because it's something that, um, you know, I, I started this and I actually have a, have a, a blog on this, so we'll put in the show notes as well. But, um, and, um, you know, I talk about this a bit, particularly when you talk about, you know, kind of what I call innovators DNA, what makes you innovative, but it's really to me a leadership attribute as well too, because so much fundamental to any leadership is about solving problems or taking different perspectives and, you know, it kind of, to me, started until this whole aspect of, you know, you and I talked about this whole aspect of brainstorming and all that, but it's, it's so easy. It's so easy in business, you know, to get to groupthink. It's so mm-hmm. easy to also just find the quickest, fastest answer. And, you know, and and we'll talk a little bit about the importance of also making the decision too, because this could also be a mask to delay decisions. But, but it's, but what I would always would frustrate me is that sometimes the most obvious answer is the worst answer because if you could figure it out and you know instantly, can't your competition probably mm-hmm. figure it out as well too? Mm-hmm. And so you know I started you know started to, to noodling around this aspect of you know confusion tolerance and how comfortable you hold in competing on ideas in the same time, and can you well, force those ideas to come together? So if you say the answer is here, introducing something that's competing. And letting it swirl around your head in the same time, which, by the way, drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. But, when you uh, when you were in big corporate um, yeah. in your past, I'm guessing the tendency was groupthink for sure, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 it was, in groups, uh, and I think so much of that is rooted in. And look, when sometimes when you had like someone really senior um, in the room, there tends to be a tendency to kind of gravitate to how's this person going to react? How's yep. the most senior the person going to react? Which creates a weird dynamic of group think to singular think. You and I just talked about mentoring and coaching mm-hmm. last year, uh, last week. And, you know, that whole aspect of 
being more senior, the more lonely it gets because sometimes you get false narratives and feedback back at you. You know, that feedback is not good. Yep. And and yeah, so groupthink, uh, to your question, I think is very common in some cases in, in, in organizations. I can't remember if we talked about this, but I got several years back, I got invited to a, a two-day um, innovation summit at uh, a large corporation in, in Atlanta. And mm. um, I would say maybe there were 40 people there. <clears throat> maybe I was one of 10 people invited. Um, the rest were 30 leaders within the organization. And we spent, uh, there was a consultancy that came in from the West Coast. And, um, you know, it was really actually great engaging, you know, two days. Um, at the end of the two days, we had a list, like a whiteboard of ideas it, uh, for how this business could over the next five, 10, 15 years, transform itself and so forth. And so there was this whiteboard of ideas, right? And then they went around and started to ask each person to tell which was their, you know, sort of top idea. Um, because what they said was, we're going to pick one or two of these to go after depending on you know, who votes and, and, and how many votes each one gets. And I, I just thought that was, um, that was a very poor way to end the, the, the two days because, um, you know, there, there's some, there's some quote that says like, you know, um, uh, group think, um, is, and, uh, coalescing around an idea is the enemy of innovation. Um, and so when it, came to my turn and I was like the 30th of the 40 asked which one. I, I just said, look, if it were me, instead of taking X amount of dollars and focusing on one or two ideas, I would take a sliver of that and focus on half the ideas. And then from there, see which ones start to bubble up. Um, but it was what was happening was everyone, you know, as soon as a couple people said one or two of the ideas, everyone was going in that direction, probably also because, you know, the most senior person in the room was asked first Right. And well, so yeah, that yeah. person said this That's one a mistake. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I just felt Absolutely. like, gosh, we had all these great ideas and they're going to die on the whiteboard because you have to, you have to innovate and, and test and try. And it just, we, we were all coalescing and it's like, oh man, that's not going to be, that's not going to be the best way to end this. Yeah. And so I, I think that's right. So from a group thing perspective, and, and you just, you know, mentioned the problem is the, the fatal flaw there, asking the most senior person for their answer. I mean, sometimes it's good to not have the senior person in there, get the people who understand what's going on to mm -hmm. kind of bring the ideas up without risk of, you know, retribution or whatever it is that you fear. Sometimes it's, you know, false, false fears you have, but, it, but they exist. So yeah, the, I mean, I think it's about uh, you know challenging groupthink, um, and also the, I mean, the, the, I keep going back. The obvious is never original, um, and and I think sometimes as a leader or or if you're working a problem, you you, you will get those conflicting ideas come at your desk, and then you have to work through it. And sometimes it's a little easier, even though it's tough. I think the most dangerous thing is when you get something that the answer seems so obvious. And it might be a big problem, but that you actually don't work at it and you don't work it. So I think that there are times, you know, you need to actually bring an opposing view yeah. or bring a diverse perspective or introduce somebody. And, you know, that person that you know, is like, oh, well, I know if I bring this up to them, they're going to they're going to they're going to have, you know, maybe it's maybe it's you're in strategy and you're bringing in finance or legal and they're going to bring in, you know, something that's going to slow this down. I think that's so important to get to the right answer. 
can't do that for everything, right? There's certain things that operating your business, like the right thing to do is, you know, if you have to send, you know, billing out on the 25th, you send billing out on the 25th, you know, there's certain things that's just routine. Right. So some of these bigger answers, you need to be comfortable making yourself uncomfortable, I think, to get to the right answer. How do you, how do you, um, and I, cause I've not worked in corporations. Um, yeah. how, how do you, how do you get people to that point? Oh, well, it starts with, I, th- I do think it starts with leadership too. I mean, and, and look, it, you know, and as I mentioned, the more senior you are, the more important it is that you, I think, master the skill as well too, because you're the one who can invite so many different people into it. But um, so I think it's creating the environment of, you know, of strategy, environment of, of constructive debate. And, mm-hmm. and it's an environment that allows um, different views to come in. Um, and also having clarity on what the process is for decision making, I think, as well, too, because, you know, to my to the earlier point, this should not be an excuse to delay for the sake yeah. of delaying stuff. Like I can't come to decision and I'm doing it because this probably isn't the right answer. It's, there's a departure point. You got You got to get to a departure point. So I think creating that environment um, sure. and look. I, I always put a lot. It doesn't matter how senior you are. A lot goes on you because. Yeah it's safer to have the safe bet and how comfortable are you coming out and taking a little bit of risk going, well, what about, what if we think this? Yeah. I use the term provocateur a lot and, and I'm going to write more about it. And I, and, and it's, it's an uncomfortable position in any organization, whether it's a big company or a small company, because sometimes it's a smaller organization. It gets tougher because you have the, you know, that, that very clear entrepreneur is in charge and how do you bring opposing views or conflicting view to it? Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of this process is how do you introduce kind of colliding ideas to get to the right one? Yeah. I, and I think, you, you know, the leader is the key. Um, I, I, I remember um, I read a book that um, it was a, a, some, some sort of advice for a CEO type of thing. And the uh, the book made the point that uh, when when you're the leader in the room in in the conference room, let's say, you need to pretend that everything you say you're you're standing on top of your chair. Everyone else is still seating, and you're on top of your chair, and you say it um, because even though you may not realize it, everything you say is just going to carry more weight. Yeah. And so holding back, like I've had um, I've had new people join my leadership team. I've had um, a couple of um, nonprofit leaders that I mentor join some leadership team meetings just to see how our, 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 our meetings flow. And they always come back and say, I'm surprised by how little you talked hmm. um, to me. And, um, and that's on purpose. Like I, I probably talked too much when I was younger, um, not realizing and wanting to weigh in and having an opinion. Of course, I, we all have opinions, but I really try hard to step back and let the team before I weigh in. Oftentimes they'll get to e- either the answer I had or a better answer. But if I speak early, it's going to, again, it's going to affect things more. And it, I think that's a hard thing for a leader because you've gotten to that point likely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you do have good ideas and you do know what's going on. <laughs> and you also act on your ideas too, which is where right. at some points that's where the challenge becomes. And I can't tell you how many sessions, whether I was in in a corporate role, particularly when I was running strategy roles or actually when I was helping companies where I would literally kick the CEO out of session or the, where, you know, and so now I'm not saying physically I would do it in session, but right. you know, when we're planning it, it's like, okay, we're going to have a strategy session about X, Y, Z or problem solving session. I'm like, you, you can't be in there. Yeah. And I'm going to bring you in and this is your role. You're going to react because that's what your role is. And as CEO is to be yes or no, and make that quick decisive decision and move forward. 
and then people feel confident and comfortable about it. But this, the, you know, this uncomfortable aspect of it, mm. let them be uncomfortable without you because they're going to be more uncomfortable without you. And I think you're right, Jeff, that is so important. And uh, for, for a leader, particularly a CEO to do that, because your role does change a little bit, you know, or quite a bit when you're in that, at that point. Yeah, I got, so I'll tell you another story. Um, I I think this is sort of in the same vein. Um, Early on in Dragon Army, you know, we started in 2013, we were a game studio and um, we made four games before we pivoted to become more of an agency, which is what we are today. And um, <laughs> the fourth game we made, um, you know, I would, I'm not a game developer or designer. I have no experience in that industry, um, but they, the team would create prototypes of stuff and um, we'd play them and test them out. And then, you know, ultimately, you know, I thought I was clearly letting the team decide what game they want to make. <laughs> so, you know, but of course I let my wife, my kids play the games, whatever, and I give the feedback. And so we get toward the end of making our last game, Little Broken Robots. And, um, you know, there was a comment that was made or something like, well, hopefully the next game we'll, we'll make a game that we really are passionate about or something like that. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? I, you know, I thought you guys were excited about this one. And they were like, well, I mean, we, we did it because you wanted us to do it. And I was mm. like, how did that happen? They're like, you remember you told us your wife loved this one. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like, I, I had no idea that I said that and you guys thought, oh, well, this is the one we have to do. I mean, my wife's not the demographic we're going for. I was so like puzzled. And I don't know that there's anything to do with that other than to be aware yeah. that even in that, I mean, we were a small team back then. We were like six or seven people and just every day working. And I just thought I was one of the team. And yet, because I mentioned that my wife liked that one over the other one, that's the direction we went. And uh, that and, was and a mistake it, on my part. And, I tell you, it's amazing how how quickly, yes, suddenly that happens, or that shift, how people perceive your role in, and um, or it is your role, and that reaction to, well, we need to make Jeff happy, and and and, it, and it's not even an indictment on you as a leader or me. Or I remember going into you know started running a business unit, and it changes to change the dynamic of everything because you know it is isolating, and and everybody is kind of reacting to you and. And so I remember I would spend so much time deliberately making the stuff we just talked about. And I'll talk about a few points to kind of how to be more confusion tolerant, but how do we create those thinking sessions where people could feel comfortable? And we had to practice it like a muscle, just like our operating Mm -hmm. routines of having monthly, you know, financial reviews and quarterly operating reviews, we would have quarterly strategy reviews. And that is when we pulled back and, and, to, and I think you said it well, giving them a lot more time to talk and a lot more space and allow more time to debate. Because if not, I realize, and, and when you start getting into the action of everything going on, you're just, even me, who I consider myself highly confusion tolerant and, and, and embrace ambiguity, you start just boom, doing mm-hmm. this, you're going to do that. And then people start reacting to that. So I think that's a great, great perspective in terms of uh, how important it is to realize how, how your team will start perceiving you in your role. I find, um, I find be- now um, as we, as we, you know, continue our friendship and relationship, but we're also doing things together more than we used to. Yeah. Um, I, I think that actually you're one of the most confusion tolerant um, people that I know, because as we even talk about the direction of this podcast, yeah. um, you're the one that is more likely to say to me, well, you know, let's just keep 
let's just keep doing it and we'll see where it starts to end up and we'll see what it starts to become. Um, which I think is, but most people I think, um, are paralyzed by the idea that they have to know what, you know, what the goal is or what they're working toward. And, you know, I'll send you, Hey, well, I saw this, you know, this uptick in downloads or whatever. And, and you're, you're, you're usually like, that's great, but you know, we don't really know what this is yet. And, um, I'm the entrepreneur for 20 years. You're, you're new to this part of it, but you're, you seem to be more tolerant than me. <laughs> well, and you know, part of it's probably being, you know, uh, you, you know, my na- my natural. I, I find myself naturally confusion tolerant. I enjoy contradictions as well, too. But it's funny sometimes it's being not contra- to, to me the contradictions you and I talked about even as we get into this whole content world is I, I hate the kind of common advice of this is how you get more up. Right. This is how you do this. So I'm like, no, we're just going to do it differently. And yeah. so, but to that, I think it's important. You know, you build teams is having that team that you have that person that will do that for you. Or if you understand that you are that person, how do you get that person to make sure you operate too? Because yeah. I think you have to understand there are certain things you just cannot be confusion tolerant on. Mm-hmm. Or at least in the moment, you can't be confusion tolerant on. You need, you need to make decisions to make sure you make your numbers or whatever. Yeah. But there's certain things and, and maybe it's competing for a certain account or in particular well, when it comes, for me, a lot of it comes when you start looking at strategy and how to differentiate and be unique. That's when the obvious can't be the right answer always. Yeah. Right. Right. And I, I was going to say like, um, a time when, when there was not a lot of time for confusion tolerance was like when COVID hit and you know, oh, exactly right, right. at that point I had to make decisions and, and my leadership team had to make decisions. And, 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 you know, we, we thought about it and we were diligent, but it wasn't, there was no time to wait weeks, you know? So sometimes you have to act. And although what I will say, though, is take the time element out of it. I will say during during uh, as COVID hit, I do think confusion tolerant leaders also were able to to do well and thrive. The decisioning process had to be really quick. But what happened was everything you knew, everything you knew that was so-called normal was no longer normal. And I think good confusion tolerance muscles or being comfortable sitting in ambiguity and confusion also translates to making decisions in ambiguity and confusion. Mm-hmm. Meaning I'm going to make a quick decision on this. This all feels really uncomfortable, but this is the way we're going to move forward and we're going to adapt to that. And, and so this is why I think there's different perspectives on, on being confusion tolerant. And, and I, I do think the biggest, as, as I you know explore this topic, I think the biggest mistake is that it is a trade-off to time. Mm-hmm. When it comes to strategy, it could be, and you know, good strategy is 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 an evolution and doesn't happen in one day. Um, but I think in a lot of the stuff you're talking about, um, and we've seen come great companies, you know, around here who've just have done some amazing quick pivots under you know, as COVID hit. And I think it was allowing to be like, wow, this doesn't feel normal, but this is what we got to do. Yeah. Um, so Jeff, real quick, before we kind of start wrapping up here, you know, I have kind of a few things I think that drives kind of confusion tolerant leadership. And, you know, so I kind of have a few points here and to get your thoughts, but, but one is, um, um, you know, the whole just exercise of getting comfortable being an uncomfortable. And as a leader, do you allow yourself to do that? And, and I just think leadership in general, and especially if you're driving change, but, but I think leadership in general, if you're always comfortable, I think that's, you're always mm-hmm. going for the obvious. So that's, that's one. Um, this is, um, I think, real important in terms of challenge your thinking style. And we've talked a little bit about thinking styles before and, you know, whether you're highly analytical, highly creative, if you're, you know, whatever it is, 
do you challenge it? So if you tend to be more into this kind of creative aspect, how do you bring numbers into the equation? If you're very analytical and everything's about the numbers, what if you bring some disparate thinking into the equation? Mm -hmm. So I think that's essential to get to the right point, which some people would be like, but that's going to just slow me down or that's not going to give me the answer I want. But I think that's important. Um, And then I love doing this and this drives people and I'll get your thoughts on this, Jeff, but testing boundaries on topics. And I can't tell you how many times I'm in a discussion with with either with my with teams I'm working with or and even even currently and and we'll take a topic and I pretty much know where I want to be like I think this is answers right here, but I'll start pulling the extremes. Well, what if we just shut down or what if we just did this and and then I've I've actually had to learn to kind of adapt to I'm actually testing our boundaries here. Because I'm trying to see what the reaction points are, the, the extremes, because we know the answer is going to be somewhere in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. It's very rarely one extreme of the topic. But I think you got to understand what are the, some of the extreme, what are the boundaries that, that exist for this decision? What's kind of the reaction there? Because from there could come some of the ideas or understanding or maybe belief that you may be able to yeah. shift more to one side or the other. Do you find, though, that if you, if you try to define boundaries, that it, it may limit? The thinking, I think that's part of it too. Is what are the boundaries too? Because I think that's I think to that to your point, that's a great point, Jeff. I think people don't sometimes understand what the boundaries are. So if you're testing it, I'm like, you know, you at least understand how extreme you are. And to me, it's about pulling your thinking yeah. outside of the obvious, and and being that con. You know, I love you know you know me, Jeff. I love being a contradiction and being a contrarian. And again, this is where he's like getting myself into trouble because people believe that I, they think the flip of it. He thinks we should shut down the place. No, I'm not right. saying that, but what I'm trying to <laughs> test his boundaries. But I think that's a great point, Jeff, is that um, I think by testing boundaries, you even figure out if you have a boundary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, and, and then finally, um, I, I'd say avoid acting on the easy and obvious, but, but you do have to act and understanding right. that like, we need to, you know, you need to set your process and boundaries. And so I think if you do some of those things, um, it kind of creates a confusion tolerant mindset. Look, not everybody's going to be, you know, I, I'm, you know, it drives my wife nuts sometimes like, where do you want to go to eat? I don't know. We'll figure it out. You know, and sometimes <laughs> just start like, driving. Is that what you say? Let's just get in the car. Let's just get in the car or something. Although it's funny. I could be actually the biggest planner. My wife will say I could be the biggest planner as well too when we travel I, i'm like <laughs> hyper planned oh, yeah. but um but i think um i think that i there's people who are going to be natural kind of mm-hmm. contrarians but i think for every leader they could figure out a way to figure out how to expand their kind of tolerance for you know um this is interesting um a point th- that you just made um I did a podcast um, episode recently with my old advisory board members mm. um, from Spun Logic, and um, you know it was great to chat with them. But I, I, I think I mentioned it on the podcast. But I remember when I was putting that together um, way back, uh, the advice I got from one of them was, "Hey, as you put together an advisory board specifically, do not put an attorney mm. in that group. Um, attorneys are super important, right? And maybe yeah. you should be on your." board. But in terms of when you're trying to think creatively, um, they're in the room to protect you. Um, and so, uh, thinking about boundaries, they're putting, you know, like some, some people are, that's the role you want for them. You, you want to, you want to get the, but there's a time and a place for that. And so almost on the flip side, you got to make sure you don't have people that are putting the boundaries real close together and saying, all right, this is our window to innovate because that doesn't work either. The other thing that, what was the first point that you made? 
about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. So one of the, one of the, um, uh, sort of themes that I like is that if you're not failing, you're being driven by a desire not to fail Mm -hmm. and therefore you're being cautious and you're never going to, you know, to, it's that idea of if you're not uncomfortable at times, then, then you're being driven by a need to be comfortable to make things safe. And, right. you know, maybe there's some ways you can have success doing that, but you're, you're really not going to, um, you're not going to think any, you're not going to see anything exponential. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to really see around corners and innovation I think is got to be impossible. So I love the uncomfortability. Yeah. And, and it's human nature not to be right. You don't want to, cause it creates anxiety and, you know, but if I, you know, great, uh, kind of advisor early in my career said, look, if you, if you feel like you're not going to puke, you know, when you're making that decision, you're probably not going to make the right decision, particularly in something that's, you know, strategic or you're trying to differentiate or do something unique. Yeah. Um, and that's part, but at the end of the day, you know, we, I think we keep going back in many of conversations, you know, leadership is about risk taking mm-hmm. and your tolerance for risk taking as well, too. But, but by the way, sometimes having that lawyer and getting the right lawyer or accountant or whatever, which I know we just villainized just. <laughs> the two professions here but i think something getting the, the uh, uh, you know someone who understands that process is good too because sometimes to kind of counteract that aspect of sometimes you're just expanding and you're you don't have stop is having someone to kind of create mm-hmm. that obstacle is sometimes good not, not maybe an obstacle but a boundary because then you can innovate or create around that boundary as well too so yeah. you know kind of could work a couple of dimensions but so good jess so hopefully we'll get you you know confused here and we'll we'll keep as we start building our content platform but uh yeah. but i think it's a you know i think it's an essential leadership trait and hopefully as people listen here they start you know i'd encourage them to start thinking about their own aspects of are they constantly um are they pushing their boundaries in terms of uh, how they think are they comfortable being uncomfortable and uh, and i think the biggest thing is are you always deciding on the obvious and and I, I, then i take it outside is your competition mm-hmm. easily able to arrive at the decision you are and uh, that's because at the end of the day, when you compete, it's about being unique and differentiating. So I think that's where some of that comes in. And you could even talk about within your own career. You know, are you, are you doing things that's pretty obvious or are you did making some career moves that dif- differentiate you as well? Yep, no doubt. So good, Jeff. Well, that was uh, uh, I always enjoyed the discussion here. And I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be having some more uh, great conversations and some more great guests as well. And we'll test some of these concepts with them. Maybe we'll give everybody a confusion test before they come on the show. <laughs> yeah, we ought to. We'll I, look, I, I don't think I've heard the term confusion tolerance. So I'm, I'm, I learned something this morning. Well, we'll put it the link of the blog. I'll just, you know, it'll definitely a big part of the, the writing and, and but we'll, 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 we'll keep talking more about it as well too so so jeff you know it, let's enjoy this week and um we have a big week coming up here of course and so we i think both of us want to encourage everybody to make sure they get up get out and vote if they haven't done so already and um thanks everybody for listening and watching the jeff and alex podcast make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on youtube and most importantly possibly on both and to interact both with jeff and i uh on social media and let's keep the conversation going So thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thank you, Alex. We'll see you next time. See you all next week.